Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we're joined by Eric Rubenstein and Kata Sigelko. Eric is an assistant professor in the Department of Epidemiology at Boston University. And Kata is one of his co-researchers who happens to have Down syndrome. I always say I love this conversation, but I, I do. The thing I love about this conversation is I don't even think we got to the topics of ableism and other things that we had on the table. Once meeting Kata and having this beautiful conversation, first, as a parent, Kata is an example of everything they've told me my child would never do. Kata graduated from high school, she graduated from college. She was working and going to college at the same time. She's been employed since graduating from college and now lives independently with her roommate, Taylor, who we were able to meet as well. Kata also provided a beautiful insight into maybe some of the concerns and worries that have weighed heavy in my thoughts are really unnecessary. And it was just a a beautiful experience and a wonderful conversation that we're so happy to get to share with you. And we're so thankful for Eric for introducing us to our new friend, Kata. So welcome, Eric and Kata. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Really well. Nice to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Were we supposed to give the link to anyone else or do you? I I sent it to her. She should be on. I'm just going to follow up. Sure, sure. And it's Kata? Kata, yep. How's your baby? Uh, this week, she like walked. She like, she got it. She, she's, she's walking as of this weekend. So very exciting. It's like so fast. It went from like four steps to eight steps to walking across the room over the course of the weekend. It's like. Wow. And your job just got exponentially harder. <laughs> That's what people say. But right now it's so fun. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it won't be once once the danger starts really, when she gets a little more confidence. Oh, here. Oh, here we go. Here she is. I'm going to let her in now. Hi. Hey, Kata. Hi, Kata. Hi. Good to see you. I'm Stephen. This is my wife, Lori. Hi. It's nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. You guys do research together, correct, Eric? Because when we spoke last time, you had, we had kind of tapped on the research that you're doing or that you were about to, to begin, I believe. Yeah, so so Kata is on my research team, but we also go way back. So so Kata was on my basketball team in 2019 when we were while I was living in Madison, Wisconsin, and we've kept in touch, especially through the pandemic. And uh, I was like so thrilled to be able to get her on to do some research because she's brilliant, she's a great advocate, and she's got an amazing jump shot. Oh, thank you. Where do you live, Kata? I live here in Madison. Yeah, I live by um, college. And that's where you went to college, right? Yes. What did you study at college? Um, I studied public speaking. Have you finished college or are you, are you done with it? I graduated in May of 2019. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? About I'm just going to jump right in here because I want to know. you. Um, well, we have a son. We have a son, Liam, and he 12. has Down syndrome. And you know, to be perfectly honest, that's one of the things that they've been trying to take off the table since before he was in kindergarten was education. And so I want to talk to you about your education for the, the our listeners and parents out there. Um, maybe you'll share a little bit about your education experience and... Um, that led you all the way through to college and to graduate? I um, uh, went to high school at Manolo Grove um, here in Madison. And what got me into the public speaking um, was my freshman year of high school because I, um, I gave my first ever presentation to my Spanish two class on Spanish. Um, it was um, pretty amazing. <laughs> Because I had to, um, I had to memorize um, all the things I was saying in Spanish, and um, I, I had help with my case manager at the time, Brandon Beckwith. He helped me with that the first time, and then my sophomore year, my um, case manager then, Diane Jensen, she helped me skyrocket my my public speaking, um, and helped me expand a new horizons with it. And that started in, in twenty. And that started in twenty ten. So it's been all. Um, it's been twelve years since I've had my, my public speaking career. And, and what do you do when in, for work when you're not public speaking? Tell them about your job. When I'm not doing public speaking, I work at the I work at the UW Hospital and Clinics here in Madison. I work as a hospital services assistant in the radiology. So I go back and forth between the breast center, ultrasound, and sometimes I'm x-ray whenever they need me. And you work a full-time job or close to full-time? Yeah, close to full-time, yes. I work at 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Well, I don't know about radiology, but you're a wonderful public speaker, I can tell already. Thank you. Thank you. I've asked her so many times if she can sneak me in for an x-ray and she always says no Eric. so i don't i don't know Eric, you've never told me that <laughs> what made you want to go into radiology i went through project search in 2014 after i graduated from high school um i took a gap year and i did project search during that time and i've really gotten comfortable with i'm helping people get well and I'm helping my coworkers get what they need in order to help the patients get better. And I also like helping people a lot too. So do you want to explain what Project Search was? Yeah. Um, it's a 12 month long a job training program for individuals with a different abilities between 18 and 21. And the goal is to get them permanent employment um, uh, once they've graduated from uh, the program. That's the ultimate goal. We go through four the rotations, and I did my four the rotations, mostly at the UW side of the hospital, um, and a little bit in the children's hospital as well. How old were you when you graduated high school? Um, that was 2014. So, yeah, I think I was like 19 or 20, I think. Was it difficult uh, 
going to cut co- like uh, applying to college? It was it, it was a little hard at first um, uh, because before I um, before I went to college at Edgewood, I um, got accepted into the Reach program in um, Iowa, and, and then once I got my acceptance uh, letter from Cutting Edge, I had kind of a hard decision to make whether I wanted to be an Iowa Hawkeye or an Red Eagle. Um, and I felt like I, I didn't I didn't want to leave home quite yet. So I decided to be an Edgeway Eagle because I didn't want to be too far away from home. And then when did you start working with Eric besides basketball? Was it just um, when did you start researching with Eric? I think it happened this year in uh, July. Yeah, so we uh, we kept in touch since I left Madison. We used to we were we were real big uh, COVID quarantine buddies. We would drive my wife and I would go by her ap- apartment, and I would say bother her, Kada and her roommates. Uh, we weren't really invited. We would just kind of come and and, and bother them. Um, but so we kept in touch, and as this opportunity came to to fund to to pay to pay our co researchers, I was like, oh, I know just the person who's got all of the skills and also doesn't put up with my BS, <laughs> which is important. <laughs> Someone that'll stand up to me and tell me, uh, Eric, you're wrong. This is how you do it. Like, Kate is good for that. Kate, Kate will stand up. Well, tell us something. Tell us a little bit about the research that you're doing. I'm trying to remember. I'm Eric. You might have to help me. Yeah, so 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 what remember what did we talk about last week? We we talked a lot about mental health, remember? Yes. And ways to help reduce stress and you know that. Yeah, so so we're we're meeting every other month and we had two meetings so far, and we're at the part where we're just picking our research questions. So our co-researchers are really interested in in mental health and improving sort of how people with Down syndrome, adults with Down syndrome get mental health and make sure that they're they're working on their mind and not just their body. So starting in our next session, we're gonna we're gonna come up with our questions, we're gonna make a survey, we're gonna do some data analysis. We have a lot of fun stuff coming, but we wanted to be sure that the co-researchers sort of decided what our project was. So so far we've just been coming up with what the co-researchers want to research. And it seems like everybody is interested in mental health and has some unique angles and ideas and and we had a really really nice conversation about what you can do when you're stressed and have anxiety and who you can go to and how some people do different things and we're hoping to to do some research to see what it's like for more people with down syndrome and and sort of what people do for help does that sound right boss yeah <laughs> yeah you're not your boss Eric. <laughs> that seems like a really important subject especially you talk about covid i mean that's uh mental health is something that we need to focus a little more bit more on that's nice you guys got to see each other during the pandemic though well one thing that i we we watched your video eric sent us over a little one and a half minute video on some of your speaking and um one of the things that struck me is you were talking about uh, making a choice even if other people don't agree with you was that part of like self-advocacy yeah it was and and one of the things, Eric, as well, and I don't know if you want to still talk about it today, along with the research, was talking about ableism. And one of the things that really struck me about that question is the fact that that you have to say that, you know, um, 
people can disagree with me and I don't have to validate why I can have my own opinion. And so what struck me about that is I just don't think it's fair that you have to validate why why you have have your own opinion. Like you you should have the the equality of everyone on the Zoom, everyone who's listening, everyone you meet, that if you say, I don't agree with that and this is what I want, that should just be it. Should be a, a rule that it doesn't have to be stated. The lesson is, is that it's okay. And it took me a long time to actually learn that it is okay if, if not everybody agrees with my opinion. You know, not everybody that I think it's a good lesson for everyone. But I just felt like in when you were talking about it, that it's so much... Um, like you really have to tell people. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in that conversation. And and then I my question would be to ask you if you want to talk about that. Like, how does that feel? That if do you have a do you ever disagree and have somebody feel adamantly that they know what's better for you? Yeah. Um. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to voice um uh, your opinion if others don't say that they don't agree with it. I know that when you voice your opinion, it's good to have your voice be heard. And um, I think it is important for us to have our opinions be heard. I mean, even if even if someone thinks that it's not the right choice, um, uh, you know that it's the right for you. Many examples of when that's happened to you that you want to share? Um, I believe I do. Um, one of the opinions I had um, earlier today was wanting to um, either go to Oktoberfest or stay back and be at my apartment with uh, my roommate. And um, I voiced my opinion and my parents knew that I was frustrated. And so, um, my parents said that they would like to see what Oktoberfest is like. So the my opinion was solved and I felt a lot better because I was able to take some uh, um, uh, deep breaths and know that things are, were going to be okay. And I knew that I, I knew that I was standing my ground when I, I told my parents my opinion and they told me that um, it's okay for me to feel this way, but, but compromising was what ended up happening and it, it worked out well. Did you want to stay home or go to Oktoberfest? I went to Oktoberfest with my parents, um, and they liked the, the atmosphere of it, so... You know, I asked that uh, because, you know, our son Liam is 12 and what I started to realize, I think, it, I think it was really in distance learning when I was listening to other people on Zoom talk to him or when he'd, you know, his expressive language isn't quite as expressive as yours yet. Uh, and sometimes uh, somebody might not know what he's saying. So he'll, he'll resort to trying to communicate and bridge the gap for other people. And what I realized was sometimes people would just assume they knew and they would um, project maybe something else onto him like, oh, he's just tired or, you know, project what they thought, one, what was best for him and two, what he was actually, like he didn't know what he was actually saying. And every time 
it would pan out that he knew exactly what he was doing. He was he was definitely and uh, saying what he wanted and what he wanted to do and how he felt, but not everybody would listen. And they had this uh, way of just glossing over him. Like yeah, I think his, people his, his around like they, him they sometimes just, have an agenda to to, to push. go someplace. And, and and one time I was just like, "Are we listening to Liam? Let's listen to Liam." And that's why I wanted to ask you that question. What a lesson, though, to learn about compromise. Compromise because, is great. Oh, I mean, that's such a good thing, especially when you you were talking about that you have roommates. And so, yeah, not everyone's going to have the same opinion, but we can all compromise. And that means we're listening to each other. Yeah. And uh, one person can see their opinion and what they think, and the other can see their opinion on what they think. And uh, being able to make a compromise between the two is, I think, um, a the easiest way to go about it instead of arguing. You'll find that if you ever need life advice, Kata is the perfect person. She goes, Yo, no matter the situation, she has something like about the importance of compromise or listening. She's, she's a fountain of wisdom. Where did you start learning about compromise and, and listening and things like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've learned how to know all these terms because I've uh, learned a lot from my parents and they helped me to understand um, uh, the value of what the compromise, what compromise actually means and um, how it's um, okay to have your own opinion um, as well as uh, listening to the other and compromising with them as a way to make things better. I think that's something everybody could, <laughs> Yeah, we could all use a little help doing. Did you have IEPs when you were in school? Yeah. Did you and attend them? Yes. That's good. We recently talked to someone that we didn't even think of that as an option. And I think that's something we want to start doing with our son. Um, the compromise makes me think of back to research group. I mean, there must be, um, obviously everyone has an opinion when asked a question about the research or maybe you're working together a bit and there must be compromise involved in that. Eric, how does that usually work? How does the, the group work on researching together? Yeah, so we're definitely still still feeling it out. Uh, as I mentioned, we've met twice, but we've been sure to, to set ground rules. We sort of, as the, the research, as the BU side of things, we came up with a list and then the co-researchers were like, no, these are these are bad rules. These are better rules. Added things like listening and respect and, and really sort of letting the, the co-researchers set our ground rules um, is really important. We, we also sort of just have a great group that makes it really easy with people like Kata. And, and I met a lot of people at the, the conference in LA. So we recruited from there. So we have a lot of um, Angelinos. Well, they, they probably live around Los Angeles. So, so really some great folks that, that, that really make it easy. And um, I think that everyone's excited. So that, that really helps. And, and it really is um, a collaborative group. What do you think, Kata? How does, how does everyone get along? I think we all get along great. Um, even though we have uh, differing opinions, I mean, I know that we all come together and are able to compromise. What the, Eric, what is the goal? I, we kind of jumped right into it, but what is the goal of the, the research? Like, I don't, I don't even, I'm not a researcher. So I don't, if I use the wrong yeah. terminology, I apologize. So it's kind of like, uh, the goal of the program is sort of two, two faceted. One is to inform the work that I'm doing. 
Um, so if I am writing a research paper on dementia and Down syndrome, I can talk to the co-researcher team and say, does this make sense to you? Do you agree? Is there anything that I'm missing that we should add? So that's part of it is to sort of take the research that us academic nerds are doing and have some people with some real life experience looking at it and helping us disseminate it to the community. Um, the other part we're doing is that we just have all of this data that I talked about last time, and we want the, the co-researchers to, to do research. Tell us what's important to you, um, and we'll do it, and we'll, we'll work together to, to come up with our research questions. So the grant that funds my work um, doesn't have anything about mental health, so the co-researchers saw kind of what we're working with. We said, oh, mental health is important to us. Um, so we're going to research mental health. And part of that will be going into my data and sort of talking to us about what they want to do, what we can look at, sort of looking at big population statistics for mental health. Um, that's going to be one project. And then the other, we're going to make a survey. So we'll work together. We'll come up with questions. We'll talk about how to send it out to people. Probably in a year, we'll come on your podcast and beg people to fill out the survey. Um, so, so we're sort of um, going to walk through a whole research project with, the, with, with that piece with the survey, um, whereas we're sort of just going to talk about mental health and get some background statistics with the data I already have. So that's our plan for the next two years. And we're really excited about it. We, we have some, some special things in the works that we're, we're trying to get everybody involved with opportunities like this and being on podcasts and doing conferences. We have a co-researcher going to the American Public Health Association conference with us next month and presenting a poster. So really sort of both doing research and, and looking at it as, as sort of a potential career avenue and sort of seeing opportunities that being in the research field can, can do for you. That's so interesting because I don't know if it changes as you get older, but for our son, nobody ever talks about his mental health. Right. Like we went through all of COVID and, and distance learning, and there were all of these emails that came out about the return to school. And for the most part, the neurotypical populations return to school and their mental health and the impact that the pandemic had on them. But none of those rules applied to Liam, like to the point that they actually, you know, took away his supports and his connection with outside people. And the impact on mental health was never even taken into consideration. It's just, it was a non-point. Right. And does that change as you get, as you get older? I mean, do people start? Well, so, so, I mean, this is, this is like, completely speculating on my part but that's part of part of the the stereotype of down syndrome being happy-go-lucky and cheerful and you know especially compared to other developmental disabilities where it seems like the link to depression and anxiety are like more part and parcel you know sort of thinking of autism and and sort of what we see there where it's like really part of the phenotype and then when people think about down syndrome they're more like oh it's people are happy and they're they're actors and they're good spirited, which, you know, everyone's obviously different and not, you know, that, that stereotype does not hold. Um, that, that's a guess of, of why that might be the case is that there's some outdated notions of, of what it means to have Down syndrome. As it terms for, for getting older, the transition period we know is tough for kids and parents in terms of that, that change from, from being a student to having to find work or, or other activity. Um, 
maybe Kata can talk about what that was like for her. Um, but also when we see sort of later in life with dementia presenting, there are some some major changes that affect mental health there. But then it's like sort of like everyone else where there's there's ebbs and flows across your life course of of mental health. Kata, do you want to talk about what it was like going from from high school to to work in college as, as sort of your your mental health? How were you able to to stay calm and not get too stressed out and avoid anxiety and depression during those tough times? Yeah, I've been able to reduce my anxiety level and stress by doing things to keep me occupied, like coloring, um, putting a puzzle together, um, any of those kind of playing a playing a game and reading my book um any of that helps me to helps me to not um be anxious or stressed what about moving out of your parents house how was that it was a change um because i knew that um once i got settled into my apartment it, it took a little bit of time for me to go through that change after I moved all my stuff out of my parents' house. And yeah, it took a while, but as I got uncomfortable, I became less I'm anxious and stressed. And I, I was able to start a new chapter in my life with a, a work and um, after graduate, um, after graduating from high school and taking the gap year, that was a change that I had gotten uh, used to for a while. Um, but I felt comfortable at, at, at the same time. We've talked to a lot of adults with Down syndrome. We've talked to a lot of parents too on this podcast about graduating from high school and that that period of transition into a choice or opportunity to go to college, or join the workforce, or where you want to go. It's some some place we hadn't, we had thought about the future, but didn't realize that could be a really tough time. That may be a few years off for Liam, but really only maybe like six or seven years away. Was there was that a difficult time for you, that right after high school, to decide what you want to do and what programs you can get in? And, and I know you took a gap year. That might have helped. Yeah, it did. It did. Um. I had gotten gotten comfortable um after I um after I started the gap year and then once I finished once I graduated from uh, the that from Project Search in 2015 I started my freshman year in college and that was um a change that was um uh, a little scary and and confusing at first but then I got comfortable and. I felt like I knew what I, I was, I knew exactly what I was doing. And I felt comfortable with that. And I was, I'm still working at the time when I was in college. So after I graduated from Project Search, I started working 10 days after I graduated. And I continued working um, throughout my four years of college. And uh, now that I'm uh, I graduated and uh, three years ago, I th- feel comfortable where I am now. And I feel like I have made a living for myself. 
since I've been working at the hospital for for seven years, and I recently have I recently had my work anniversary about a month and a half ago. So, Kate, I, I just I'm going to jump in here, and I want to put in a plug for something cool that happened in Massachusetts recently. the The state legislature passed a law that um, was the first of its kind in the country that it makes it so that people with intellectual disability, autism, or other developmental disabilities can attend college as a non-degree seeking student without passing any sort of any sort of exam to sort of qualify. And it lifts the, the age restriction. So prior to this law, uh, students in high schools could part that partnered with community and, and state colleges could do some of their like last four years of special, the 18 to 21 in colleges while also being in special education. So that got waived now. So students can go after high school, they can go to colleges without needing to pass these requirements to get in. They can have more experiences at colleges, uh, like a program like Project Search. Uh, that was your college program, right, Keita? Oh, um, Cutting Edge. Cutting Edge. So, so, so a lot of these universities have these programs that take like six to eight students. Like, like you know, it's their programs are fantastic, but it's not enough. So this legislation and, and more legislation like it that puts money into these programs is huge because as, as Keita says, it's like a life-changing experience to get to go to college. But as any young adult, it's expensive, it's hard, it's not easy, but putting money behind it so we open up more spots for our kids with developmental disabilities and Down syndrome really widens the playing field and really gets more people these opportunities because they exist. It's just hard to get into without sort of state and, and policy behind backing these programs. So that's something really to, to advocate for as, as your kids get older and enter this age that everyone should have the opportunity to go to college. And, you know, as, as it should be affordable for everybody, there should be opportunities for, for people with Down syndrome to, to be able to enroll. Um, I think Massachusetts was the first to pass this law, and it was just this year. Um, so hopefully other states mirror this. Yeah, I'm confident that California can jump in there. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, um, were the people at your college, were they, very, were they welcoming? Yeah, they were. Um, uh, they're super nice, and I've gotten to make friends with um, uh, the people I went to college with, and one of them so happens to be my current roommate, which I'm still very happy about. <laughs> so I'm uh, glad I um, uh, continued to be friends with her, and I made uh, so many other friends um, in Cutting Edge, and it just seemed like it was a whole new world that I never experienced when I was a freshman there. And I've uh, really gotten to know a lot of people post a college who I went to school with since I am part of our alumni program. So in 2020, right before the pandemic, Kata, her roommates and I, we would go to the coffee shop by their apartment and play cards before basketball practice. And it was like, Kata was the mayor of that coffee shop. <laughs> Everybody that walked in, Kata knew from college. It was like, it, it, it was like probably like her dorm. Somehow everybody from college was in that coffee shop and it was like coming up to say hi to Kata. I was like, Kata, how do you know all these people? <laughs> so when you went to college- Is that your roommate next to you? Yes. Oh. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I'm trying to be quiet while you're doing this. No, I'd hi, like roommate. to say hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, this is my roommate, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. 
Taylor, thank you. Thank you. So you lived on your own when you went to college or did you move out after college? Um, I lived with roommates um, all four years of college. My freshman year, I had three. Um, and then I had the same three again. My sophomore year, I had um, a new set of roommates my junior year. And then I lived with two my senior year. Um, and then um, after I graduated from college, I lived with three, which included Taylor. And then um, I'm so glad that that a change went down and I'm living with only one. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a lot. Because I feel like um, it's uh, was so much more easier and 100% time is more fun. Mm-hmm. Roommates are hard, man. They're so, well, so hard yeah, to so find a good roommate. So you have to compromise, but you have to compromise less when you only have one roommate instead yeah. of a yeah. couple. Yeah. Can, can I ask you, because you kind of, um, Eric kind of touched on this for a brief moment, um, how do you feel about the stereotypes of Down syndrome? And first of all, maybe you don't experience that. Do you experience the stereotypes? I, I say to that, no, because because I'm always a happy-go-lucky person. And I always like to see the positive things um, in life rather than uh, the negatives. So I, I'm, always a, I'm always a bright spot. And the people who I know, well... They know how much of a positive uh, person I am, and how much I can uplift uh, uh, the people. I can even um, I can easily uplift um, Eric. So yeah, that's the challenge. <laughs> Do some people ever try to help you when you don't need their help? Like they go out of their way to help you, and you don't really need their help. Yeah. Does that? How does that make you feel? Um, it makes um, sometimes it makes me feel like I'm uh, not. Like, my help isn't wanted, but I know it's still there. When people say that they want help, um, even though they know they don't need it because they know how to help themselves, I know that I'm always there to support them and to be their friend, I'm even if I'm not always helping them. Gosh, you're so smart. Um, Thank you. No, I was thinking about being the mom of Liam. I see things from the outside. And for me, like stereotypes have always just bothered me. And I just, when I'm talking to you, I just think I realize that they don't need to. Yeah. Like I just think I realize that they don't really matter what other people yeah, think. Yeah, if you surround yourself with people that are that know are, you, are know you, then who I think really I've cares just, about? I've literally just had yeah. that epiphany when you were talking is that the things that may have challenged me in the past, there's no reason, there's no reason for that particular one to even be on my radar because it doesn't matter. And, and talking to you, you embrace the goodness that you bring so effortlessly that I would question why it matters that someone's happy as a stereotype, except coming from people who just strive to be happy. If you find yourself as being, you said it's your strength of, of being happy and because it is a strength. I mean, oh, it's a strength. And it, it is something that is, and it's something that's needed in the world. It's something that there's not enough of. I can only imagine the asset you are at the hospital because sometimes that can be a, a difficult time for the patient where they may be a little nervous about something or just being in a hospital sometimes makes you a little anxious. And I could see how your strength would be an asset to them to help them. Yeah. Yeah, because um, if it makes it, them feel good, it makes it, me feel good. Has that always been the case? Have you always felt like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always like um, 
I'm helping people get better, but also I'm going to let them do their own thing and know that if they need help, but they can always come and ask me. And if they don't, I'm a, I need my help. I know that they're capable of doing, doing some things themselves that they, they know how to do. And at the same time, I, um, I'm, whether they need help or um, want someone to talk to, I'm, a, I'm always there. Was it always easy for you to make friends? Like, I'm, I'm thinking of Liam in middle school now. Was, like, can you think about middle school? And was that, was it easy for you to make friends? Yeah, I did. I had a lot of friends in elementary school and middle school and high school. And as, as I've made a lot of friends since when I've, um, I still have a lot of friends now, even though we don't keep in, in, in touch quite as often. Um, with the friends who I went to high school with, or the grades underneath, um, I haven't I haven't been in connection with them in a while. But I have made a lot of friends throughout um, the entire time I've been I, I've been um, in and out of school. So now, just uh, geography wise, how was it that? You, Eric, and Kada, how did you come together in person to play basketball? Where's the, I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to think in my mind, Madison, Wisconsin, there? and Massachusetts. Yeah, so I uh, did my postdoc. So after you do your PhD, you, you spend all these years studying and, and working to get your PhD, and then you still don't get a real job. <laughs> then you have to do like an apprenticeship. So I was in, in Madison for three years doing that. And I was coaching Special Olympics there for a few years. And, and unfortunately, Kata wasn't playing basketball then. And then all of a sudden, I got this new power forward on my roster. So oh, who's this Kata person? And uh, and it was like getting like Michael Jordan in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. And, and so, so that was... Uh, I guess it was 2019, you were on my team, and then 2020, so probably two years, or maybe one year, and then COVID happened, right? Yeah. When did you start playing basketball? Um, I, started play, I started playing basketball when I was in a fifth grade, and I've, I've liked the sport um, ever since. You like watching basketball, too? Oh, yes. I've always liked watching the offense and defense, and... Um, especially because when I was uh, when I was on um, Eric's team, I knew that I needed to step up on my game in both um, offense and defense. Um, and I think that anytime I uh, w- would be watching a basketball game, I would always be um, uh, watching the offense and defense and thinking how I mean I- I'm able to accomplish that um, even if I haven't made a basketball shot. Yeah, that's a good lesson. Yeah. Sports is a great lesson for life, really. I mean, I think of uh, your area of the country, Kata, and you talk about basketball. It's so rampant there. It's so popular there. Uh, and then Oktoberfest, that just seems like a really fun area that you live in. Yeah, it is. The um, area of Madison that I live in has a lot of, has a great atmosphere, um, filled with people who I know well, and I I feel like I've gotten comfortable with making even more friends at my parish, and uh, sometimes I'll see friends who um, work at the hospital as well, 
And there are some who I, I went to um, high school with who work there. Kate, I'm curious, who cooks in the in the house? Do you both, do you share those duties? Yeah, we do. Yeah? What, what do you like to cook? What's your favorite uh, food to cook? I make a lot of frozen meals, but there are times where I will make a meal. When did you learn to cook? I was actually in culinary class my senior year of high school. Um, and that's what got me into cooking for myself. And to answer your previous question, I like to make a mac and cheese. I also like to make grilled cheese sandwiches um, with a, a tomato soup and a veggie. Um, one time I made a shrimp stir fry on the stove. I, I, I made it once. Um, and I've also made the breakfast on the, um, on the stove too. I've seen some in, in some of like the academic world around this area that like us academics are, are stealing the word adulting as like a concept for this transition period. I, I don't know if you've heard it as like a meme where like, you know, a college kid is like, uh, adulting is so hard when they have to like do their own laundry or whatever. But uh, Kata is really good at adulting. She's got, she lives on her own better than I could. She cooks her own meals. She gets along with her roommates. Like Kata is a pro at all of those skills that you need to do to like be an adult, which are the, the not the fun ones, but the ones that you need to do. Right. And also to be independent as well, because it's important to be independent and to, and to learn all these uh, life skills, I mean, whether you roommate or not. Well, it's so funny, those memes. I never knew they were for college kids. I always kind of thought they were for... But the adulting? For the adults. <laughs> I only see them in, in PTA meetings where people are like, I don't want to adult today. I thought they were for... <laughs> I think they're for everybody, maybe, right? Yeah, um, I guess I guess they are for everybody. I I, uh, I guess you always think that the people older than you have it all figured out. So, <laughs> Like that Olaf song? <laughs> when you get older, it'll all make sense? Yeah, I love that song. Right? And it's the that's the joke, is that no. Right. Uh, well, I asked those questions because... You're doing everything, Kata, that they told us our son wouldn't do. And there are parents that I I hope are listening that can see you know, it's not true. The beliefs that that you know us parents are given are archaic and come from a place that you know is it's from the past. From, from the, the past, past right? Yeah. So, um I love having these conversations and I selfishly love talking to you because you know, in my mind, some of the things that were said to me as a parent, even though I believe in my son and his potential and giving him every opportunity and support to live his life and to figure out who he wants to be, when you see somebody who's done that, and we don't always get examples, it just makes that dream that you have for your child, every child more of a reality. Yeah. I love the fact that the first two items that you said you cook include cheese. Which <laughs> you is probably you have good cheese Which don't is you? so fitting. Yes, because I'm from the cheese state. I know. I had a friend, he grew up in Wisconsin and he came back with in a bag of and you would know these and I had never seen before, cheese curds. Yeah. Yes. Well I ate it and it I like took one bite and it was so fantastic. 
at halfway through the bag, he, he was like, you know, you, you know, you can't eat that many that you're eating. <laughs> you can't eat the whole bag, you know, because you're, you're going to get yourself sick. And I was like, I could eat it. I could eat the whole thing. It was so good. Do you guys want to share? And I don't mean that I know like the personal stuff is so important to me. Um, is there, but is there anything that you want to, to share about the research that you're doing or the, you know, Eric, we talked a little bit about that you're, you're doing this research, but that it was important to include the community as well. Yeah. So, um, it's hard to update on, on research cause we, we like this peer review. So we don't want to say anything before, like we get through it, but I guess I can tease that we've been working on our data. So we, to remind you, we have the Medicaid data for adults with Down syndrome for nine years. So it's all de-identified. We can't figure out who's who. It's, it's all like that. But we have a sample. Um, it's, our sample ends up being 120,000 adults with Down syndrome, which we think is, is almost all adults in the U.S. with Down syndrome, which means what we figure out can be useful for everybody. Um, which we're really excited about. Um, we were sort of worried that our sample wouldn't be all that big and, and it's it's going to be almost everyone. So that's really exciting. Um, we're looking for ways to to disseminate our work as a co-research team. So maybe there'll be, you know, a webinar maybe around World Down Syndrome Day, maybe. So that's a little tease that I don't think Kata knows about yet, but we're working on that. And yeah, we've got some some fun stuff coming out from us. And, and if anyone wants to reach out to me on, on social media, I think Kata, we have to get a website up for. I know that's on your to-do list, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have any other, do you have, this is the plug section. Do you have any plugs, Kata, anything you want to promote? If they wanted, if somebody wanted you to come speak for the, how would they reach you? Um, I would want them to reach me by um, email. <clears throat> And if you want to hire Kata, you have to give me 15% of whatever you I'm, I'm taking my agent's fee. <laughs> Just kidding. Kata, you're okay if we put this where people that listen to our podcast could see your email? That's okay with you? Yeah, totally. Oh, good. Totally, because I'm always happy to do more of this stuff anyway, because it'll help me with my public speaking career. With my with my public speaking, um, actually a business, because um, it went from a career to a business, um, and I'm going to be pr- promoting my, my business at the self determination conference. I'm going to be having my own table, and I'm going to be selling my merchandise to promote my public speaking business. Is is that in Madison, Kata? Where's that conference? Yeah, at the Wisconsin Dells. Um, I'm here in Wisconsin. Well, if if someone doesn't see your email on the show notes, they can always get in touch with us and we'll forward your their information to you. Yeah. That's fantastic. What's the message that you like to get out? What is the, mo- the most important message that you like to get out? I want people to know that they have a voice and to not be afraid to use them. I want to be able to help people find their voices and to not be afraid to be who or what they want to be in life. I love you, Kata. Thank you. I, I want to be doing this stuff more often because it's, it's making me feel so happy. <laughs> Lori and Stephen, you could start a podcast network. Yeah. And you could have uh, you could have Kata. Kata can have her show. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'd be cool with that. You could be our co-host every once in a while. How's that? Yeah. 
Honestly, if there's something that you want to talk about, if there's something that's or if you know someone that or... we you'd like us to interview, we could the three of us could interview that person if you like. And totally. Great. Yeah, this is fun. I want to do this more often. Well, please uh, tell everyone in all the co-researchers hello. I did get a, a screenshot of you guys on your first one Eric sent to us, and uh, we saw that uh, Kaylee from Southern California is there. We yes, had, yes, we had met her through the. Uh, disability film challenge a few times and saw her at the t21 conference in yes. in long beach too that's where we met her. she's fantastic too so i'm glad that you guys are all together yeah oh yeah is there anything else i know eric you have a baby and you guys are so much later than we are but is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as research or you think we covered everything eric or? we were we, we covered a lot tonight if anything comes up i'll come back or you'll, you could just invite Kata back, and and I'll get I'll get cut out of this uh, arrangement. No, <laughs> you know you're invited back, Eric, anytime. Come on, but I do. I want to have that conversation. I think the next conversation that we have, I'd, I'd love to talk about ableism. I I appreciate you guys doing uh, work on mental health because, you know, for Liam, my experience is because you know people always just assume that he's happy and good that it gets overlooked a lot. And, you know, even just the emotions of, uh, and this has been a most recent experience where Liam got mad. He got upset at, and it was called everything but that he was upset. Like no one thought that he was really upset. They were trying to figure out what it was. And I was like, right. um, his, <laughs> you just moved this person away from him that's his friend. And so I think it's important that that becomes a part of the dialogue, that, that equanimity, right. that we're all 100% whole. Right, and he's he either he is or he's about to be a teenage boy. So oh yeah, no, who who knows what's going up in that head, right? Yes. Like you know, this you can't you can't sort of sleep on it because it's important to the tough time for for kids and yeah, no, and also and that was one of the things that I brought up. I was like, you know, he's twelve, he's a boy, he's uh, going through puberty. So you know, let's look at the the whole situation here. And so I love what you're doing. Well, Eric, Kata, Taylor. We appreciate Thanks you guys. Thanks for giving us your Sunday night. Yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thank you. I want to be doing these podcasts more often because they're fun. Well, let's do that. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Night. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website If We Knew to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.